0: entrepreneurship is very much to do with, um, you know, dealing and dealing with and really challenging your psychology of like, why are you doing this? Um, you know, moving forth despite hearing no and hearing that people, you know, you can't do it dealing with things like imposter syndrome and so on. And so, um, that really has been the biggest challenge and just sort of, you know, taking risks, right. And putting yourself out there and, um, Having that, you know, have, developing a thick skin when, you know, when when you might hear no from investors, from employees, from customers.
1: Hey, it's Zach. That's the voice of Raghav Gupta, affectionately referred to as Rags. He is a serial entrepreneur in Boston, part of uh, some local VC and angel groups. He's also continues to take uh, really um, imp- important commercial roles at some startups in Boston, most recently Butler, which we'll talk about a bit on the podcast um so without further ado let's get to it. Silicon Valley Bank is a proud sponsor of Boston Speaks Up for more than 35 years. Silicon Valley Bank has helped innovative companies and their investors move bold ideas forward fast. SVB provides targeted financial services and expertise through its offices at 53 State Street in downtown Boston and in Newton and innovation centers around the world. With commercial, international, and private banking services, SVB helps address the unique needs of Boston's innovators. Learn more at svb.com. Zach Video here from Boston Speaks Up, and I'm here with Raghav Gupta. Hi, Raghav. How are you?
0: Good, Zach. Good to be here. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, and and that's the probably the last time I'm going to call you anything other than Rags for the rest of the absolutely. call. Absolutely, it's it seems like that's what you're affectionately referred to in your sort of serial entrepreneur status in in Boston. Uh, yeah, it's it's a nickname <laughs> that stuck
0: in second grade. So absolutely, Rags is great.
1: Aren't those the best? So you you grew up in you were born in India, and then you grew, you sort of like moved and kind of grew up in the Philly
0: suburbs. Is that right? that's right yeah I was born in calcutta and uh, my family moved uh, when I was a young age um, and and you know they came to America to you know for for you know business and to launch a business and and uh, there's a lot of migration happening then and grew up in the Philly suburbs and yeah that was uh, nice. kind of the early part of my, my 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 life awesome I want
1: to explore that a little bit more I want to give listeners first kind of a some context as to how you, you know, all the things that you're up to currently in, in, in the world. I will say for friendships and nicknames from second grade are, 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 spe- are, are, a special thing. As, as someone who's building multiple, like multiple businesses right now with a buddy I've known since I was three, um, <laughs> and, and only, and only refer to each other f- affectionately a- 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 with nicknames that, you know, we were, you know, given in, in sort of elementary school, um, it's it's fun how those names stick. And then the people you meet later yes. in life are like, they'll meet some of your friends you grew up with. And it's like, oh, no, what do you do? This is a rags or bus situation. So, <laughs> That's right. um, so, so Rags, it's good to have you on. Um, before, we talked a little bit before the podcast, like a lot of our listeners are younger entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, I think in particular are going to be really drawn to this episode and, and maybe want to go check out. Your book, uh, One to Ten, which is about sort of find, you know finding your way from startup to scale up. Can you talk to folks just about like what you're up to today um, in in the various capacities and, and sort of you know I think that will give folks a sense of like why we'll be exploring a range of, of topics uh, subsequently in the conversation?
0: Happy to. Sure thing. So overall, in a nutshell, I've been in, in tech entrepreneurship. Uh, for a little over 20 years uh, from the dot-com boom and on. Um, I'm, I, I just love, uh, you know, helping create things and helping others that are doing the same. So that's just my jam, you know, partnering with fellow entrepreneurs. Uh, and that can take the form of everything from being a completely passive, you know, small, very small check on their cap table uh, or as part of a larger group. Uh, to being an advisor, or even in one case, a board member, uh, to, you know, actually rolling up my sleeves and, and getting involved in the business. So my day job is as president of Butler, or dot It's a spin out of uh, the MIT Media Lab. And it's like this next generation occupancy sensing platform. So it's a, uh, it's a sensor that, a system that uh, is private. It uses body heat to understand human presence and activity, uh, and um, and then can get insights out of that. So whether and and there's applications in in corporate real estate, in senior living, in retail, and others. So venture backed. Um, that's my day job, and I'm really helping and partnering with the entrepreneur there uh, to build out the business side of things. Um, I'm also a venture partner at Hyperplane, which is a um, a Boston-based seed fund, uh, we're on fund three, and uh, and so I'm affiliated with them. Um, they've you know they've been very active in Boston, uh, funding companies like Tive and um, Link Squares and uh, uh, Vesper and Pickle, and 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 the list goes on. But uh, been very active in B two B, you know. And you know, applied machine learning and um, AI and automation and and just you know um, other uh, other ventures more broadly of late. So, I'm very happy to be with them. I'm also I've been active with TBD Angels, another uh, an angel group that actually started out of Boston, although it's now global. Um, and so, um, you know, been active there, and, you know, investing with them as well. Great. So a couple sort of follow on thoughts here and I want to connect some
1: dots. Um, I'll start with the last one there. I have been friends with Jason Burke and mm-hmm. and sort of that clipped crew for well before the sort of their exit to AT&T Xander and before TBD Angels. And it's been really uh, amazing to see TBD grow from a dozen to hundreds of Angels now around the world um, and have actually plugged some interesting um, angel investors that I became friends with in like Los Angeles and Florida, like into the TBD Angels group. And it just, it's re- really active group and um, pretty impressive sort of like platform, um, sort of like collabor- collaborative approach to investments. Um, and, and David Chang's been on the podcast, Jason Burke's been on the podcast. So it's, it's wonderful to sort of make that connection. And actually just with my frame of reference being like TBD Angels as sort of a know, early, you know, typically like pre-seed stage, um, you know, typically at most like couple hundred thousand dollars sort of checks and can be anywhere from six, seven to 12, 13 or more um, angels sort of like contributing to that couple hundred thousand dollar check. Where does, can you kind of give a frame of reference for where Hyperplane VC and sure. TBD Angels fit, uh, fit in? And, and you guys kind of, can you guys sort of like invest together?
0: Yeah. I, um, so Hyperplane's uh, kind of sweet spot is seed. Um, so that can be, you know, checks of, you know, 750K to mm-hmm. 1.25 or so, maybe a little bit more, but, you know, about a million dollar check is, you know, very much in the sweet spot for Hyperplane, um, which, uh, and and they'll do, some pre-seed as well, but uh, you know the sweet spot is really seed. Whereas uh, angel groups like TBD, they tend to get involved uh, more at the pre-seed or you know earlier stages, and 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 right. you know, may well be part of a seed, may not. Um, Hyperplane will uh, lead rounds and price them. Um, they'll also be a you know they can also follow as well. Uh, whereas again, a TBD is typically. Uh, a follow, you know, following on to something that's already been priced or, you know, uh, they're not going to, you know, set the terms and take board seats and those kinds of things. So very complimentary. Um, There's not, I don't think there's a deal we've done together uh, yet, but I'm, you know, hoping that'll certainly change. And, but, you know, just sort of two different, uh, you know, pockets or ecosystems of entrepreneurship, um, you know, both Boston, but with, you know, with reach well outside of Boston as well. Right on.
1: Cool. All right. That that's super helpful. Th- thanks for that sort of unpacking a bit. Uh, the the other The other thing I want to chat about a bit is sort of but like you're like again with the frame framing being we're talking about your role now. You're serving as president at Butler, but you're a venture partner at Hyperplane. I'm curious: is from a Hyperplane perspective, is part of the investment model to Insert partners at times at earlier stages of growth, and then sort of there's a graduation process and an appointment of other executives, and and you maybe repeat that with other um, you know ventures that you're that are going from startup to scale up. Is this is this part of a, a model, or is it just it just Butler suited you your sort of your skill sets? And and, and you know later we'll talk about some of the companies you worked with like Brightcove and. Humatics is one that that actually a, mm-hmm. a group of analysts I worked with last year did did some deep reporting on for TechCrunch, so I'm, I'm familiar with that company and and sort of you know similar to Butler has a very interesting sort of um, you, know, you know data um, you know da- data play to sort of transform sort of the physical spaces. Um, so I'm just curious, like why yeah. why the role at Butler and is it is it part of the investment sort of thesis and approach at, at Hyperplane?
0: Yeah, yeah. A few things to unpack there. So, um, you know, I, I'd gotten to know the folks at Hyperplane over the last few years, and there's a lot of kind of commonality in terms of what I was interested in and what they were doing. And so um, I was actually already advising one of their portfolio companies, Elucidata, And and so, um, you know, about, yeah, about a year ago or so, or so um, you know, they were sort of, you know, out there with their fund three and looking to um, you know expand their their footprint, if you will, and so you know we talked about my becoming involved um in a way where I could still operate um you know it wasn't you know a, a venture is new to me and and so it was a, it was a it was a construct um to be able to for me to learn more and um to just you know have more connectivity to the firm and so um there wasn't there's no explicit model per se on on sort of you know having people and then sort of, you know, parachuting, shooting them into companies. Um, Vivian Myrta, who's just a uh, one of the founders of Hyperplane and just a, uh, just an awesome, both investor and human being. He, uh, you know, I remember him telling me, um, we don't know what, you know, what you'll sort of um, end up doing in Hyperplane, whether it's portfolio companies or mm-hmm. sourcing or whatever it is, but um, you know, we're here to help you find your way. Right? And, yes. and, 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 it it just you know it just spoke to me, and um, I've still you know, I've since enjoyed you know helping them look at deals and bringing deals to them, and and just just a few months before Hyperplane, I would already been working with the founder uh, of Butler, the founders of Butler as an advisor, and um, I've probably done this I think the last four or five this is probably my sixth or seventh startup um, the last four or five of them. I figure out a way to essentially, you know, um, work with a founder before diving fully in, and that's essentially what I did with Butler. Where I got to know them, and the more I got to know what they were doing and, and helping them out, the more excited I got. And um, it, it, you know, it just was very, very. It, you know, they certainly also happened to be very much in the sweet spot of Hyperplane, and so the stars really aligned for you know for Hyperplane to. Um, you know, really lead the seed round. Um, and, and uh, I then joined shortly thereafter in, into Butler full time, but I still maintain a relationship with Hyperplane um, and help them look at deals and, you know, help their portfolio companies when I can. But, um, you know, my sort of day job is Butler and in terms of, uh, you know, um, what I think about and what keeps me up at night, as I, as I like to joke, you know, kind of, that's, that's always a good telling of what, yes, it is. you know, where your mind is at, right? So.
1: That, yeah, it is. I and I want to So I kind of want to double click then on Butler in a moment. But a couple things mm-hmm. there. One, well said. The things that the things that my mind sort of wanders into and then goes deep down of the rabbit hole on um, in the evenings when my brain won't stop. Uh, I tend to honor those uh, those things as 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 uh, items that I. I should probably take an interest in, um, in the morning. Right. And, and sort of that, like, for example, Mm. Boston speaks up was something that I wrote down. I think it was like two or three in the morning. And my, my wife was wondering why I was in front of my phone typing notes. And I said, I think, I I think I got to. I think there's something I need to do. And I I specifically think I have it. So I got to write it down right now. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, excuse me. Well said. Um, and just a comment, which I think you can let me know if if you agree with, but it's kind of just to play it back. And for listeners, it it, is a really interesting platform for a serial entrepreneur like yourself. And and we'll talk about some of the, some of the sort of places you've been at, which give you that serial status. Um, But even for aspiring entrepreneurs, like you get to see a lot, you get to see where the puck's going, you get to see where butts being made. I think you also made a really good point in the pre-podcast Q and a, you also you also get to look at places that are maybe being neglected, like out-of-home advertising, like never going to go anywhere. Super prudent business, valuable right now. So, for for you, it, it, and um, um, it seems to me that it was a fortuitous um, place to to find yourself at Hyperplane, sort of seeing a lot of things, and it, it perhaps helped crystallize. Well, oh, I really like these founders at Butler. It just so happens that now, you know, Hyperplane is 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 sort of investing
0: in in the company, yeah. and and now I can go all in, so to speak, a hundred percent. And I I really enjoy connecting dots and and bringing what I've learned maybe in one area to another. And again, with venture investing, you get at that perspective right. You see different types of businesses and the challenges they face, and you know what then happens and And, and, and so it's, it's a great way for me to learn and, and bring that to whatever I do. Um, Beyond that, it's also just getting a different perspective on how investors think and, you know, and operate. And, and again, that helps me be a better entrepreneur, a better, you know, investor myself, a better, you know, advisor to others uh, because I can, you know, uh, it just, I, I know what you know, how folks in the venture world are looking at it, right? And, um, and, and, and sometimes it could, you know, I had an entrepreneur reach out to me the other day, hey, I didn't understand why this VC passed, right? Mm. I perfectly do now, right? Mm -hmm. And so I can actually help them uh, understand. And it doesn't mean, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's so they can, it can prepare them for whatever they do next, right? Whatever pitch they have next, right? And, and, this is not about you know anybody being a bad person. It's about like, there's a game. You got to understand the game that you're playing. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to play that game, that's fine. Just understand it and, and then go figure out, you know, what makes sense for the business. Yeah, that's right.
1: So let's talk about what makes sense for the Butler business. Um, where, what stage would you say you're at right now? And, and you're someone who can speak really well to sort of the, you know, the micro detail of, of sort of stages like, give a just give a frame or yeah. frame it up like where are you at like from a funding perspective from a scaling perspective um sure you know, where yeah. are things at and what's most exciting for you you know where heading into 2022
0: 100 yeah so I, I would still put us in you know and this is sort of part of the framework i use in the book but we're more in that zero to one phase mm-hmm. than we are in the one to ten phase so um you know we've got um our first uh, version of our product out that we've been shipping uh, for most of the last year. Uh, it's the sensing system um, with you know a bunch of software on the analytics and the data and that comes out of it. Um, we've been uh, you know deploying that into dozens of customers um, that have been you know giving us feedback on the value proposition, the product itself, and you know just, where it needs to be, you know, either new features or where it needs to be hardened or those kinds of things. Um, and this year is you know, really exciting because we're seeing a lot of that now that's going to then tip over into the next stage, which is getting into production uh, and scale essentially at these customers and, you know, landing and expanding from them. And so again, that encompasses um, uh, corporate real estate. So helping uh, people with real estate portfolios understand how the real estate is being used, whether it's for planning purposes for a better employee experience uh, or for um, you know saving costs, right being smart cleaning or uh, or smart HVAC type applications and so on. Um, and then there's a, that's sort of our our really our, our initial beachhead market and we're working with. Um, you know, big tenants with with service providers with you know, aggregators that are very active in that world, and um, and frankly, currently have you know, really um, you know, a ton of demand. And and you know, um, that's that's something else that you know, that can also be stressful when you have more more demand than supply, but uh, that's something that's a separate topic. Um, the next market is senior living, where there's sort of this notion of, um, of being able to better monitor um, uh, our aging population, you know, so whether it's aging in place or aging in facilities, and how can you better, you know, kind of, you know, help them stay well mm-hmm. um, and uh, use technology to do that, and also use technology to understand if things are not well. Um, so falls are, you know, one of the biggest, yep. uh, you know, uh, areas of concern and, and you know declining health, mm-hmm. and so are there ways that you can anticipate that there's a higher risk of a fall through movement patterns? And um, can you sense a fall after it's happened? And uh, Mm -hmm. of course there's technologies that are uh, present today that enable you to do that, whether that's, you know, wearables or, um, you know, radar systems and so on. And, um and yet you know they they all have their own issues you know whether it's it's cost, it's false alarms, it's having to remember to wear something et cetera and so um you know there's there's a you know a lot of uh you know uh excitement as well in this other vertical um using the same platform that we built so yeah you know we're we're still in that zero to one phase, but we're you know we're we're we you know we raised a um we announced a, a almost an eight million dollar uh, seed round last summer um, from you know from Hyperplane, um, you know Eric Paley, founder collective, Tectonic Ventures. Again, great venture group there. E14 Fund, um, awesome fund. You know that's that's really focused on the MIT ecosystem uh, and a number of great angels like Scott Belsky, the chief product officer of Adobe, guy who wrote the messy middle, as well as. Uh, Chad Lawrence, the founder of Simply Safe and, um, and, and several others that um, haven't been named, but you would know who they are. Uh, and so, um, you know, we're 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 psyched about that. And um, you know, we've been out there and and now this year it's gonna be really, you know, scaling and getting our product out there in um you know in a greater volume and really establishing that value proposition, that product market fit. But you know, overall, why are people choosing us? One, it's private. There's no camera in your face. It's body heat, so uh, there's no, you know, um, uh, identifiable information from that. So there's no, no issues to put no it. No PII. In. No PII. So there's yeah. no issues to put it in an office. To even, right. you know, we have, um, you know, we have a customer that's putting it in restrooms to understand restroom occupancy for cleaning. Right. right. You can't do that with other systems. Yeah. Um, the second is it's just. It's battery operated, so there's no wiring. You, you don't have to pull wire and cable, and it's like there's no construction project. And so mm. as a result, it's radically faster to deploy, and it's a, a fraction of the cost of other systems. Yeah. Uh, and so from a scalability perspective, that's always something and you know you talked about hematics. That was something I saw in just in general, in indoor location and positioning. Uh, technologies is just how hard they were to scale, um, especially when you had infrastructure to put up and wire and calibrate and so on. This is like more like a, you know, this is just radically simpler that way. And so um, that's what really drove both myself and also, um, you know, the VCs um, to invest, which is like that elegance of simplicity and, you know, using actually technology, thermal sensing, which has been around for a while, but actually using technology and, you know, ML and algorithms to make it smarter. And 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 that's what really attracted us to, to, to what the Butler team had figured out. Yeah, legacy technology, sort
1: of new innovative application. I, I, I am curious if, if my sort of assumption would be one of the pieces of pushback you would have had early on or the Butler founders would have had early on, perhaps even as early as when they were kind of pitching it within MIT Media Lab sort of the, the hardware component, like the hardware Mm -hmm. and software. So it it sounds like this is a more efficient hardware sort of, you know, you know, it's, it's not, but it's not frictionless in that like there needs to be hardware produced and, and, and implemented, et cetera. So can you talk a little bit to those challenges? Because because is that fair in saying like that, that's the wrinkle here? Like this isn't a straight software company. There's a hardware component, but, but there's perhaps opportunities in there because there's some legacy, you know, hardware business uh, business and and sort of territory that you can sort of go and grab if you execute correctly.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, look, you know, it, it, it certainly you know, hardware is not for every investor, right? And you know, hardware is hard. I can attest to that, right? There's there's no doubt about it. I think you know, part of our thesis on Butler is you're, it's, it's nothing exotic. Um, it's really taking, um, you know, established types of, you know, components and hardware and, and putting intelligence onto them to make them do things they've never been able to do before. Um, so that was, you know, that was part of our thesis. It's not like, you know, very exotic LIDARs or things like that, that you're having to, you know, Spin, you know, do do chip, you know, tape outs on, and and you know, being being very exotic that way. Although, you know, again, those can be um, very you know interesting businesses as well, but with just with the different risk profile and, and different capital you know needs. Um, and then I, I would also say that that um, having a hardware, you know, having hardware it, it, again, it can be harder to scale, but it can also be stickier. Right, Mm because you 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 have atoms, right, Mm -hmm. in in your your customers, and um, and you know most of these systems don't work unless you're subscribed or somehow you know have a relationship, right, and so uh, oftentimes they they're stickier because of that. It's not like you know they they can your customers can easily move away, uh, you know, just as you as you have with pure software companies and 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 sort of you know having to race the bottom, and really oftentimes what you see with these businesses is that the hardware is a tool, right? So the hardware is a tool to get data, to capture data. And then the real value is on, you know, the data you extract and what you do with that data, the insights you're able to then deliver to your customers. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like your, you know, your Comcast subscription, your, you know, your, you know, Verizon, you know, Fios thing, right. You got a box, right. You got a box, which is the router or the cable box. Right. And, um, it's a tool. It just—it's a tool to serve you content, right? And and what you're really paying for is that bundle. Is that is that you know content bundle or broadband? Um, and if you went away, the box doesn't do anything, right? If you brought somewhere else, you know it's the the you know the hardware is not in and of itself the, the value, right? It's really the service and what you're getting on top. Uh, and that's yeah. very similar to you know, IoT and and these other types of platforms that have a hardware component to it. Yeah,
1: I was even thinking, I, yeah, totally. I I really appreciate that answer. And I, my mind even just went to, like, smart cars like Tesla and, and then the future sort of, like, electric vehicle wars where it's, like, sort of the it seems to me it's it's re- it's going to be a relative relatively commoditized industry in terms of like you know Volvo is going to have all electric fleet now and mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and it's the operating system within the cars that is going to be for me as a consumer probably a key point of differentiation How yeah. good the screen is it is it you know is it is it family friendly is it intuitive et cetera like right. we're, we're sort of like i,
0: I think that's right and i think you know beyond the the like the ux in the car of like charging you know of of sort of the, the driving experience and, and the system, it, you know, there's also like the overall like charging infrastructure, right. Yep. And, and, you know, how friendly that is. And, and, you know, I think that's also going to be a big part of it. And obviously that's why, you know, Tesla has, has been so far out ahead with others trying to catch up um, with that charging infrastructure.
1: Yeah. Cool. Um, so I do want to go through, so I feel like we've, you know, so, so at this point, you know, listeners have a good sense of, of sort of the modern manifestation of rags. And I want to go through some of those, um, successful, you know, exits that you've been a part of and some of the companies you helped build in the last, mm-hmm. uh, really couple decades. Uh, but let's, let's now go in chronological order and, and go back in time to second grade where with the birth of rags and we'll work our way up to sort of, uh, career riches. So from rags to career riches, uh, <laughs> that's my, that's, that's my play on words for the day. Sounds uh, good. <laughs> So, so t- just back in time, like growing up in Philly, uh, describe a bit more of like your childhood and what your hobbies were, what your interests were as you were sort of like, you know, getting into high school and thinking about college and, and sort of like maturing into, um, you know, a, a young, a young human that, you know, little did little did he know was going to discover entrepreneurship from a mentor and mm-hmm. and sort of mm-hmm. go down this path so we'd love to sort of like hear that story and then and then talk about the sort of career journey that ensued there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you know as I said we we moved at a young age and uh to you know to the suburbs and I mean it's like you know it's like the kind of almost from a movie right the shock of the different culture you know here I was moving from a Teeming metropolis of Calcutta, you okay. know, and with 10 million plus people to the leafy suburbs of, uh, you know, of, of, of Philadelphia, you know, they're fairly affluent suburbs and Boy was that a shock, you know, I mean and 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 um, I wrote about this actually for my college essay, right? Just like the experience I, I, I vividly remember of um, you know walking my parents taking me to a Toys R Us um, after we had, you know, when we had gotten to America, cause that was sort of part of the, I guess the, the incentive, <laughs> yeah. right. Was, was, Hey, we're, we'll get you any toy you want here. Right. Yeah. And I was used to, you know, the, kind of the, the, the markets in the corner shop, which, you know, which were little kind of, you know, holes in the wall, right. Where you'd have toys sort of hanging on the wall. Right. And, and here I walk into this warehouse <laughs> where it's wall to wall toys, you know, with aisles and aisles. And I was just overwhelmed. And, and I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe that there was this land that had this sort of abundance. And, uh, and, and anyway, so that, you know, it was, it was obviously a, a formative experience, but um, overall, look, you know, it was, um, I very much appreciate what this, co- this country did. It was, uh, you know, they, they, well, you know, we were welcomed and, um, you know, I made friends and, you know, certainly took pains to try and fit in and, you know, um, developed an American accent and, you know, started getting into sports. And that was, uh, you know, very Mm -hmm. much a way for me to kind of, um, get to know people, you know, soccer and baseball and tennis and those kinds of things. And, um, and, you know, in in a, in an Indian Asian family, of course, studies were very important. And so, you know, worked hard at that and, and, um, you know, was, was, um, you know, and, and just enjoyed, um, you know math and science and and everything else, just you know stu- stu- studying all those topics and then, but it was also sort of i m- I remember uh, a a, t- a high school teacher of mine um telling me once just stopping me in the hall saying, "You're so ready for college um and in you know in retrospect, I think you know it was sort of a little bit uh, i was just i guess ready to broaden my horizons, right and just and just right. get out there and you know maybe the the town was a little bit you know sort of uh, i don't know, um. I was just ready to kind of break out. I was at a public school, I think, just ready to kind of, you know, broaden my horizons. And so, um, so yeah, you know, went to college and um, that certainly, you know, changed my outlook a, a ton as well in terms of just, you know, um, both it being eye-opening and humbling and, 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 you know, formative all at the same time. Nice, but before you go into college,
1: I wanted to just double click on something you mentioned early on, which is your parents. Were they st- did they start and build a, a business or businesses when they moved to the United States?
0: They when did, yeah. yeah. They, 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 they yeah. It was a um. It was essentially a you know import export business, a so very okay. old school, um, you know, uh, importing um, sort of you know different types of you know metal you know, very sort of, you know, infrastructure type products from yeah. India and China and Brazil into the U.S. market. And so um, it wasn't easy for them. And, and it, you know, certainly, uh, you know, like they were working, you know, um, oftentimes out of the house, uh, you know, not easy at all, but that was, you know, it was, they were able to, you know, start a business and, um, and and make it work, and so uh, yeah, that was the, that was you know what brought them over uh, in the first place. Cool. And did, did you ever participate in
1: that business or su- you know support the business? Or I imagine you you certainly witnessed that you know your parents sort of working hard and being being entrepreneurs. Uh, so is that that maybe helped. lot yeah. I just was thinking. It's it, true. I just, it I, triggered I, to I, me when I when I thought yeah. of that teacher saying you're ready to move on. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure being yeah. around your parents like grinding and being entrepreneurs like even if it was it it probably helped a lot
0: it's true yeah no it did you're you're very right about that um you know the the just i was exposed to it i heard them on calls and uh you know saw them you know saw the office downstairs it was in the basement right for a while and and just was like i think remember me helping with filing and yeah you know those kinds of things and uh, I remember taking some family trips and I don't even even, you know, you might not even know what this is, but they took a telex machine with them on on the trip. <laughs> don't know what um, that is. <laughs> which is, which is, like, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, this is something for the listeners to Google, but it's this machine uh, that's essentially like a old school, almost sort of fax machine. Okay. Um, and, and so it was like a way to communicate and people would take them. It's sort of like a, it's almost like a, uh, in between a telegraph and a, in uh, a, in a, in a fax machine. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that was like, you know, you kind of uh, just sort of, you know, part of the deal. We, I guess I, I didn't even think anything of it. Um, and you know, not to mention, I've got, you know, other entrepreneurs in the family uh, uh, as well. So it's, you know, very nice. much uh, you know living and breathing that.
1: Yeah. Cool. So what, uh, what were you focused on studying when you went into college? Like where did you go to school and like, what was your, what was your focus yeah. at the onset and then how did that change as you experienced and broadened your horizon
0: i um so i got into princeton and um i got a you know they they you know financially you know uh made it very attractive for me to go i got you know a, a kind of a scholarship to go for for you know, for most of it and uh and so i went and i went in thought can you pause study. for a moment right Re- yeah
1: congratulations dude that's fucking uh-huh. awesome like you moved to america your parent your parents are grinding they want you to have like this awesome life they take you to toys r us you work your ass off and you get a pretty significant scholarship to go to princeton university hell yeah that's awesome i just have to like thanks so man. yeah I, that, that's is, super cool dude like that's awesome like that that's is, amazing. yeah
0: look it's it's thank you and and it it is uh you know kind of the the american dream if you will yeah. right it's sort of like that's what people do right and and that's what's made this country uh you know so special so Um, Yeah, you know, got there and, um, and it was, um, you know, look, I I was, I was, I I did well in high school, right? I was, you know, one of the top uh, students in the class and whatever. And I got to Princeton and it was like, uh, like, there were all these people from different walks of life. You know, some people who it was the first time, you know, in their family going to college and others that were, you know, uh, kind of, Legacies. you know, had last names that yeah. were, yeah, you would know, right? Right, and everything in between, and it was um humbling, right? I was no longer the sort of hot shit, you know, yeah, uh, person. I was just one of, you know, uh, 1,200 people, right, who were all remarkable in their own way, and, um, and you know, uh, and it, it was, and then also just college life of, you know, meeting people and partying and just sort of seeing what it all has to offer, and. Uh, it was it was a uh, you know it was eye opening and like i said humbling and uh, and i and i remember having my first i didn't do very well in the first uh, when i first got there right you and, and, me, you and, and
1: me both it was right right and i was a, like, i was
0: a top five in my class and i got to yeah. college and i got
1: shell-shocked first and <laughs> it was
0: like yeah
1: yeah <laughs> same and thing public like, high school and and got into right. a good school and i was like oh boy i'm gonna have to work and harder just ha-
0: exactly <laughs> and i had these midterms and i just didn't do well and i was like meeting with my advisor and he was looking at my like my like cocky letter that I wrote like before getting there, right. Of like who right. I am, what I want to do. And he was, I was like, I don't know, I want to be CEO and this and that. And he's kind of like looking at my cocky letter and then looking at my grades and he's kind of like, you got some work to do, huh? <laughs> <or> something. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, you know, it was able, I was able to kind of find my way and, 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 you know, figure out, um, you know just sort of the right balance of of you know studies and and where I did, but long story short, I went to study mechanical engineering uh, mainly because that 's what I think you know my dad had studied, and I just thought engineering is a combination of math and science it suits me i 'll just do that and not really knowing frankly what I wanted to do and what I got into and ended up um, in a major which which suited me great, which is really all about, um, it's it's called operations research, but it's about systems and about, you know, how you optimize based on constraints and how you allocate resources. And that can be in the context of transportation systems. Um, It can be in the context of financial systems, like portfolio management and allocation, uh, you know, teaches you how to think about risk and, you know, there's economics in there and, uh, programming and so it's multidisciplinary and it just suited me really really well and so um you know i was very glad to have found that um within the you know couple years uh and you know found sort of like this is the the sort of to- set of topics that really speak to me um, nice well well that that's like
1: that that sounds very similar <laughs> <laughs> to my first year in college <laughs> li- yeah and it, where i would yeah li- living in office hours and and i was like i'm, I'm gonna be i'm a i'm a great communicator and a writer and be the best you know marketer and communications guy in the world and then i got in my first writing class and i was you know could barely get a c and i was like oh boy <laughs> uh, right <laughs> gonna right need to figure, gonna figure gonna figure this out um so when you graduated from princeton um mm-hmm. what was sort of the what were your prospects um and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it, be curious sort of like did you have some internships to that point? I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of things and we talked about this pre podcast, like, you know, those choosing the right experiences is important, but also like any real world experience in like a workplace is going to, is going to help better you. But I'm just curious, like what kind of experience had you gained and and sort of what were you aspiring to do when you graduated from Princeton?
0: Yeah. So, uh, so, so the first year or two, I, I, you know, I, I did what I did in high school often, which was, um, you know, work at a golf course and it was just an awesome, it's just an awesome summer job if you're in high school so I, oh, yeah. I, I you know, highly recommend it. It's just like, yeah. just something that's sort of more physical, right? Whatever it is, it, it just, it was just, it was just great. So that's cool. My, my um, version of up, that, you know, in, sorry, my,
1: my version yeah. of that was the working for the city as that I grew up in as the, as the groundskeeping team in the summer with my buddies from awesome. high school yeah it was just it's, like it's, physical labor and it was like and i wasn't thinking about internships yet and i'm like this is kind of nice right so then so then right. after no, a couple I, of years of that did the, did the did it start to the dial start to shift in your mind a little bit like maybe i need to shift up what i'm doing in the summer
0: yeah, hundred percent. And yeah. and you know the first first version of that was one of the the guys I you know caddied for and things. He he was a you know wealth manager. He's like, you want to come intern for me? I was like, yeah. Nice. So I, that's what I did, and that was amazing. I'm I'm very grateful to him for that. And and, and but then you know at at Princeton you had, you know you had the sort of two most. Uh, uh common paths were um you know for people to you know in terms of companies recruiting were investment banking and management consulting and so they would be they just made it easy they'd be recruiting on campus and doing these events and things like that and and so I applied and got in and and so you know i think my 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 junior summer or you know going to senior year um was uh, you know did an internship at a management consulting firm. Uh, who then gave me an offer to join full-time after I graduated. And so uh, that was sort of a, you know, at the time when I was graduating, there was, uh, you know, I had an offer from an investment bank, an offer from this management consulting firm. And then uh, my professor was offering to help uh, me and a team get funded for this this idea we'd come up with in a course. And really that's what, you know, Ultimately, opened my eyes to entrepreneurship and tech as a career path. And was that Ed you mentioned? That's Ed Chow. yeah. Ed, Ed Chow. yeah. And and uh, maybe I'll say a word about him. So yeah. um, Ed Chow is just this absolute legend. Um, he, uh, you know, polymath has has just had this amazing career in uh, in in teaching, in being an entrepreneur, and uh, you know, he, he was on the venture capital side. He was a politician. He was a two-time congressman for Silicon Valley. Uh, just, just uh, it, it, you know, he, he was, ran the storage business for IBM. Um, just, Not just a, an amazing career, but just a, uh, an amazing human being. And was um, uh, in the late 90s, he taught this class called high-tech entrepreneurship um, as if it was a business school class, but teaching mm. it to undergrads. And so he'd have cases and he'd have guest speakers come in. And I mean, again, this is 1998. So entrepreneurship is not a thing, right? This is, you know, this is radically different today than it was back then. Right. Um, But as part of our our project, um, we had to go, you know, uh, sort of down the halls of the university and find interesting technologies or, you know, research that's happening, and come up with ways to commercialize it. Which I mean, that's essentially what you know, where a lot of innovation is happening now. If you look at, you know, what's coming out of MIT and Stanford and all these ecosystems. But, um, so we had this project, we did it, we put a business plan together with sort of this technology to essentially do what was like, what would be reverse IP lookup to understand like where sites, like where visitors are coming from, from sites. And um, we had put together a plan and he basically, um, we pitched it and we didn't know we were. And he said, do you, guys want, you know, do you guys want to do this? Do you want me to help you find money for it? And we were not ready for that at all, right? And I laughed thinking about it, but I was like risk averse back then as a 22-year-old, right? To not do this and to actually take the kind of less risky path of management consulting. Um, but, you know, I stayed in touch with him. And within a year, I just it, it was clear to me that, that management consulting was not for me. And uh, I called him and, and, you know, he helped me through that decision. And it was, it was frankly a very easy decision to make. And, and that's what got me into tech. And, and I you know, ended up taking this, this job from an alum, essentially to be a chief of staff uh, for this, uh, this tech startup in the, in the Valley. So you moved to the Valley for your first job um, after sort of
1: vacating management consulting. Is that, is that right? That's right. That's and right. And so did yes. you, so my first where in the, the Valley did, yeah. where in the Valley did you move to?
0: So I was, uh, I, was in, I was actually technically living in San Francisco, but the company was in Foster City. Cool. So one of the, one of the things, I, I, I want to sort of talk about some of the
1: places you went to, but one of the things that's, that sort of struck an interesting chord with me when we were doing the pre-podcast Q&A, I'd asked you what your biggest challenge that you've overcome was, sort of to get you where you are today. And you mentioned getting over your own
0: psychology. Can you mm-hmm. unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Look, it, it's it, it's 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 ultimately it's around. It was for me, it's around things like my ego, like trying to, un, you know, try, trying to understand, like, should I be, you know, like others and aping others, uh, you know, sort of. Oftentimes, there's, you know, what's called imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at a very young age, I am familiar. I with was this. put in. <laughs> yeah, I was at a very young age. I was put in charge of. Uh, of of essentially, you know, cleaning up the mess of this company um, that had huge issues in terms of, uh, you know, no business model and hemorrhaging cash and things like that. And, you know, yet there were these people that were much older and more experienced than me there. And so, you know, I felt like an imposter, right? How, you know, how was I going to make these decisions? How was I going to, um, you know, cut heads, um, you know, with people saying you shouldn't do it, you should do it this way and so on, Right. And uh, to, you know, going to, you know, going on to, to other, other company, other companies in other industries where again, you're, um, you're a newbie, right. And, and you're, you're seeing it through new eyes, but also, um, you know, that imposter syndrome can, can, you know, very much rear its head. Right. And, and say like, you know, sort of that voice saying, well, what are you doing here? You know, why should you have a point of view when you've, you know, You've only been doing this a uh, very limited amount of time, uh, and so you know overall, entrepreneurship is very much to do with um you know dealing and dealing with and really challenging your psychology of like why are you doing this um you know moving forth despite hearing no and hearing that people you know you can't do it, dealing with things like imposter syndrome and so on and so um, that really has been the biggest challenge and just sort of, you know, taking risks, right, and putting yourself out there and um, having that, you know, have, developing a thick skin when, you know, when when you might hear no from investors, from employees, from customers. Nice. I
1: pr- appreciate that. And that's, this is a particular area of the conversation that I'll, I'll be thinking of when I share this with my my students over our slack channel so i'm an entrepreneur in residence at endicott college and mm-hmm. one of the things i really like to they spend a lot of time on is just helping kind of pull back the veil on like what what business really is and and the, the humans in business the imperfect humans in business the the humans sort of you know faking it till they make it and then when they make it like sure they have experience but they're still going to face uh fate, like each challenge you face is is a is a unique challenge in and of itself and and is going to require a bit of you know this, you know the scientific method, like a hypothesis, and sort of like a you know a, a, a thoughtful, prudent approach to 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 solving it, while you know gathering and you know data and and, and drawing insights to, to to try to you know learn where you maybe misstepped. And you know it's mm-hmm. not it's not as not as daunting um, as you may think to go out and be successful in in the real world if you're willing to humble yourself and sort of you know have the yeah. right have the right mindset. And and, and and imposter syndrome is a very is a very real thing. And and um, and it's and, and there, it and it can become you can become more relatable to you know the figures that you aspire to be um, by sort of like you know having you know discourses like this and and having um, you, know, you know you know books and and sort of access to um, to entrepreneurs that are willing to share. So no, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's particularly helpful for for younger younger people that are making their way.
0: I, yeah, and one other thing I would just add to that, I, I yeah. totally agree. And one other thing I would just add to that is, when I was starting off in my career, I was sort of like highly analytical, right? I was sort of you know engineering background, right, and sort of like trying to analyze things and pros and cons and those kinds of things, right? And um, and at a, at a you know I I worked with this this guy later on who was the opposite. He was intuitive and emotional and 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 I read about it in this in my book, but he he had to feel it. He had to feel it to do something, and I couldn't get it. And and after having you know, this was the founder of Videoplaza, Sarosha Tavakoli, and and it, it it really hit me that the emotional side is so important uh, to being an entrepreneur. Uh, paying attention to the emotional side of yourself, right? Um, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about the business? Like what you know? Where do you get confidence or not? Um, do, are you feeling it, right? Um, do you get energy or not out of conversations, um, out of, uh, you know, out of uh, certain activities you do or don't do, right? Um, paying attention to those feelings actually are, are like really matters. And those are really important signals. And so just something else I I would have told to my younger self when I was starting out, um, just to, you know, to offer up to others. Nice. No, that's, that's
1: wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So talk talk about some of that perspective you you gained as you sort of embarked on the journey from moving to San Francisco, working with your first your first sort of tech company in earnest. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about some of the highlights that sort of that followed. Uh was, was it was was Bright Cove sort of like being part of the founding management team there? Was that one of the first kind of big um big moves that you that you made or like what's sort of the what's yeah. the special order of things that yeah yeah lead? i mean
0: so so that that first that first company and ended up being at like a web 1.0 early version of a uh, you know an audio streaming platform you know uh, to enable creators and what we call today to put their own radio stations and radio shows together and stream it online and um, it was tough. It was, you know, ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, you know, we, 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 you know, not only was it that, but just dealing with the dot-com implosion. Um, and uh, and on top of that, having the record industry, the music industry, um, you know, fight us tooth and nail and threaten to sue us out of existence and so on, right? It just, it was like one thing after the other. And it was really tough but it was this crucible for me to develop leadership skills and management skills that, you know, I've kept with me, you know, to this day. And, you know, as I tell people, uh, I mean that, that period, it was like this nuclear winter of, uh, of kind of, you know, just like nothing going on. And so the financial crisis of 2008, just didn't phase me, um, because I'd been through this other, you know, this, this, this period as well. It was just relatively just like, like night and day, um and so, but right. you know, my my promise was to get the company in profitability and kind of you know keep the lights on, and and get a business model in place and all that, which we did, and and you know we were breaking even, but it was clear that the investors at the time didn't have the the, the appetite to properly invest and uh, really make something, and so it was going to take a long and really become what we call a zombie in in, in sort of VC and startup yeah. world, and so. Um, I you know I was pretty burned out. I, I you know my partner at the time was in the East Coast. So I ended up moving back east and uh, and you know followed her to to, to Boston and uh, you know hooked up with Jeremy Lair and Bob Mason and that team at bright Cove and it was just uh, an amazing experience. Well, you know, what pre-product. year was this? This was two thousand and five. So okay. um, it was still kind of you know mainly engineers working on stuff, but it was you know pre-product, pre-revenue, and then we launched and. Um, I did the first uh, you know, first revenue deals and you know, some of the largest ones. Uh, it was just amazing to work with such a caliber of team um, that Jeremy and Bob were able to assemble early on. Uh, folks like Elizabeth Bentel Carpenter, who's now the CEO of Circle, and uh, Adam Berry and uh, uh, Andy Feinberg, who became the CEO of Brightcove, and who's now um, a partner at Argonne Ventures along with Bob. And uh, Tarif Kawaf, who's now the president of our studio. So it's just like a, a pretty special team and, uh, and working with them and helping build that business. And it was, it just took off. It was just one of those things where the timing and the product, were right. And, um, and, and, you know, we started landing these big deals, uh, Sony music, New York times, uh, you know, universal music, and and just the list went on. And, um, and so it was a you know fun, uh, first couple of years. And then, um, there's, uh, you know, sort of this opportunity for me to, uh, to go international. And, uh, and so they moved me out to the UK to, uh, to, to, you know, help roll out internationally. And that's what I did in 2007 is is moved to the UK uh, from Boston. And, uh, and that was again, an amazing, amazing run that, the the original idea was I was going to spend six months there and then six months in Tokyo, but I liked it so much. I just stayed and ended up staying 10 years. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, were you in London for ten years? I was in London. Yeah, I was in London for ten years, and and again, again, sort of, you know, I, I, um, you know, it was a personal thing that really drove me. Uh, you know, I was getting divorced at the time in Boston, and I just had to clear my head. And um, I remember telling Elizabeth, my boss at the time, "Look, this is what's going on in my personal life. I, I, I think I'm going to quit and just go travel and just kind of clear my head." And and she right. said, "Well, why don't you why don't you move to London?" And travel on our dime. There you go. And I, I said, okay, and, and have some stability in your life. And that's and important. It was that's, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to her for having given me that advice and that
1: opportunity. Right. Well, so, yeah. And sorry, sorry to jump on you there. I just it got excited yeah. because you just shared, like, that's, you shared it with listeners right now. But what you shared with her at that time was it was vulnerable to do. Mm. It's sort of like, I don't know if you ever heard like Brene Brown talk, sort of like, Sure, just, sure. You know, yeah. embrace your I love that. We, we have her parenting manifesto in our, in our daughter's room. That's what you did, you know, and and I think that's what it's in, in, in another important lesson, particularly for young people that are, you know, figuring things out. Is sort of, it's okay to be vulnerable, and it's okay yeah. to to share, like you you sharing that you needed a change of scenery, um, of all like it afforded you and, and paved this path for like this really amazing international experience. That yeah, like you got to enjoy on the on the company's dime. Well, you know, assuredly like. Gaining all this amazing new uh, business experience that gave you a whole nother dimension to your
0: career. Hundred percent. I it was it was I, it was you know just so enriching both professionally and personally. You know I ended up meeting you know my wife in London and we had our first child there and I, it's just been it was nice. just sort of game changing life. I was going
1: to yeah. ask because your your oldest is like a six and a half. I
0: think. Yeah. Six yeah. And a half That's and right. Three. Good so. Memory.
1: Yeah, so I was thinking like, oh, so your firstborn may have been born um, in, <laughs> right. in London. Like, neat. Like, that's that's super yeah. cool. Um, c- cooler, but in a similar way. Like, it's 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 a fun. Like, it, that's a neat fact. For is that a, a, your son or daughter? Your Son, yeah, son, son. yeah. Like yeah. Our, our daughter was she she will see pictures of like we, I was watching ESPN the other day. It was the morning, and uh, the Sports Center was like doing a overview of Santa Monica. And she knows uh-huh. she's like, oh, I was born right there, and I'm like, that's right, you were, you were <laughs> born, right. you were born in a hospital in Santa Monica, like that's right, yeah. But it's, it's it, that that's neat. Um, and your family sort of, you know, so you met you met your your wife there, and that's a, so that's that's a special place for you, London. Do you it is. You no know, pandemic special. aside, is that is that a place that um you'll make regular visits to? You must have a, a, an amazing like peer group and kind of like you know
0: network there. It is. A, it's a special place. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's almost a second home of sorts and uh, and I'm looking forward to getting back. I, you know, for various reasons, have not been back in, in, in several years, actually since we moved back here and uh, pandemic threw that off. And so very much looking forward to going back there and, um, and, you know, catching up with, with friends and, 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 uh, and just, you know, and family there. So um, cool. it is, it is a very special place. Nice. So, so, so talk about making your way back.
1: Back to Boston, like when you did that, mm-hmm. like sort of like yeah. what happened sort of post, you know, Brightcove. You helped it grow to the, to the, to IPO, and then you, you had a couple other successful,
0: um, you know, journeys after Yeah, that. so after Brightcove, yeah, I, I, I left and and you know, ended up joining Video Plaza and uh, and first as a board member, and then um, really partnering with the, with Roche to help grow it. And two years later, we sold it to uh, Telstra, which was doing this Rollerplane plane video and and um, you know, worked there a couple years uh, as part of the integration, and um, ran Europe for them. And um, you know, there was opportunities for me to take a bigger role in uh, in the company in in Silicon Valley. But um, I was kind of you know a bit done with video tech and ad tech. Uh, you know, I felt like I just wasn't learning as much, um, and was just a bit jaded or disillusioned. And so I did my two year earnout and didn't have anything lined up and and you know my wife and I we just decided you know what it's time to kind of make a move and here we are in central london and where can we go and no no city in europe spoke to us and uh and so we decided to you know it was the us and it was either the bay area or the new york area or boston and actually my wife suggested boston she said look you know we know people there from, from kind of your bright cove days right and um and professionally it's a place where you know i, I like to partner with people on the commercial side of things, so I like to partner with technical people mm-hmm. and um, help them on the you know business and commercial side of things and certainly Boston seemed to have a lot of that opportunity yes. of you know that technical talent and um, and 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 so we, we decided and Boston was just closer physically and culturally to, 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 to Europe and sure and uh, just more manageable and so we we did and, and it 's been great both professionally and personally. I think you know the Boston ecosystem is, is you know, is rich with, uh, and, and just we talked about, about this before the podcast, right? But underestimated, right? In terms yeah. of the, just the, the intellectual talent, the, you know, you have the, the, whether it's the tech ecosystem, biotech, the education ecosystem here, the uh, medical ecosystem, and it's all here. And mm-hmm. And, you know, at the same time, as I tell people, you can be, you can live, you know, with some space. While being you know within an hour from the ocean and the mountains and the lakes and yeah. the city, and I can get to the airport within twenty five minutes and you know i mean in new york and, and london you're just, you're lucky to get out of your neighborhood and that's right um, right yeah yeah it's the same it's like it's like Los Angeles in that regard like right. London, london is go.
1: yeah exactly uh you can live like i a, a, you know I, I want to ask you in a moment where you are, but like i I found myself what and you know, we're, we bought a home in, in Beverly and it's, uh-huh. we're, we're yeah. right by the ocean and we can, we can, you know, sp, you know, drive 15 minutes and we're in the farms of Cape Ann, but I can also right. walk to one of the five train stops in Beverly and be at North Station in 35 minutes. And right. I can take the train, the silver line and get to the airport and, in a, in a half hour. So. It's just, it is, um, it, it was talking to another friend of mine. He was over for New Year's. He, he also lived in LA and we're like, you know, because it's getting cold now, right? Like I I, mm-hmm, I dropped mm-hmm. my daughter off at school today and the, the air pressure PSI levels in the car were screaming at me because they're so low mm-hmm. from, the, from the cold air. Uh, yeah. But we were saying like, you know what, winter's coming, it's cold. But one thing that is nice about living in Boston, this part of the world is like, we're, we're part of this just rich ecosystem um, across industries. Uh, but there's also just like a sense of like comfort and sort yeah. of the in ease and like the lifestyle that you can have and, and just the maneuverability you can have hundred yeah. percent and move around and whatnot. So so what um where's you know where's home for you? What what community is home? Yeah, for?
0: we um uh, so we've been living in Winchester um yep. for the last few years and and you know been very happy with it and, and it's you know it's been a good town for us, good green space and nice um you know, good school system and those kinds of things. And uh, and and yeah, so that you know, that's that's it's been nice to uh, you know, to and just nice to have that space as well in the last couple of years. Yeah, great.
1: What? Um, so, to, but we have you know as we we're running up on on time, but I wanted to double click on one of the more recent companies we with pre Butler, um, Humatics. Yes, uh, talk a, a bit about just you know share with listeners like what Humatics is and 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 sort of you know it, it, are you still you know at, at some level like an advisor there? Just just curious because there's still a lot of a lot
0: of space yeah. humatics is 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 playing in the cover humatics is uh is a is you know again a, a company i'm i'm um, i was so proud to be a part of um, founded by by professor david mendel mit professor and gary cohen and uh you know with a very you know very much a kind of a you know strong boston connections with uh, fontanella's chris cheever and and ray stata founder of analog devices as an investor and board member and amy Villeneuve. and um, and, and the list goes on, um, you know, when I got there, so humatics is the, the you know, the core insight is to use, um, you know, sent radio frequency uh, signals, uh, you know, sensing modalities to be able to microlocate things down to the centimeter, down to the millimeter. Um, you know, again, part of the core insight is GPS is this miracle technology. You know, you have satellites in the sky, and they can locate you on the grid of the Earth to you know within you know uh, some meters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, with some other techniques, you can get even more precise than that. Uh, but yet, you know, GPS, as miraculous it, as it is, um, doesn't really work indoors. And we you know where we tend to work and live, um, whether it's in in tunnels, in buildings, in places like that. And mm-hmm. you know, again, like you're you're you might be in a in a convention center or a mall or places like that, and you know, you fire up your phone, it doesn't really know where you are, right? You might be, you might think you're on the other side of the building, right? And it's just crazy that it's 2022 and it's still like that. And so, it, with Humatics, um, you know, they've got these technologies to be able to microlocate things down to down to the centimeter, down to the millimeter, and 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 so the challenge there was to really figure out the best. Uh, application for this type of technology, and uh, and so with one uh, with one of the technologies, you know, we really found it in train positioning uh, for you know positioning and understanding where uh, subway cars and you know trains are in, in transit systems, and you know, we ended up doing a high profile. Uh, you know deployment you know pilot in in new york city which uh which is you know public uh, information and you know they then subsequently rewarded the company with a with a, with, with a continuation um, and so that was uh, uh you know essentially these types of uh, this type of application can be the future of rail positioning and uh you know upgrading signaling of trains uh which you know which is an issue in a lot of these. Um systems um, that have just not been upgraded for for decades and um, and and they show in terms of how you know slowly the train service is and not, you know, and just like how maintenance works and, and things like that. so, um yeah, i'm 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 uh, I'm you know still part of that you know, story. i'm I'm a uh, investor into it, and I'm still you know very much in touch with. Uh, you know some of the the principals and the investors, and um, and so you know that's uh you know very much rooting for them. Nice, uh, appreciate that background.
1: And, and listeners have, have maybe heard me say this before, and, and I, I alluded to this. It might have been pre-podcast to you, Rags. But one of the things that um, I've been fortunate, kind of moving back from from LA to Boston a few years back, like guys like Jesse Bardo at, at Silicon Valley yep. Bank and Ari Glantz at, at New England Venture Capital mm-hmm. Association, have some. Sub- it sort of like encouraged me to like produce things that where I see like gaps in the market, and and one is sort of like finding really companies that that are pretty impactful and and, and either are or or soon will be pretty impactful, sort of to the global economy, um, but hiding in plain sight in Boston. So one of the that I don't if you remember that TechCrunch story from 2020 about robotics, um, yeah, you know about humatics sort of. You no know, helping, um, you know, humans keep their distance as machines get, you know, yep. also more efficient. But you know, Kyle, you know, Kyle Gibson's one of the analysts that I work with, and and uh, mm-hmm. and that and that was a really just fascinating sort of um, case study from from that broader kind of like micro location robotics report we did. But one of the things we're doing in the in the months ahead here in in 2022, and and hopefully in the years ahead, we'll be sort of exploring other industries. So the next industry we're looking at is cybersecurity, and and some cool. of the really interesting sort of um, sub-sectors and like new clusters kind of coming about and the, the impact of, you know, cybersecurity has kind of shifted to DevOps and 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 not just at a macro level, but at a micro level, like some of the things that people may not realize are happening and changing in cybersecurity and how, and and sort of, you know, who those companies are, what the challenges are, et cetera. And, and sort of similar to how we approach the, um, you know, the robotics report and fo- focus on like mm-hmm. the location robotics, which, you know, really, really became a pretty strong focus on what Humatics is doing, I think. Yep it's just a good example of why boston is so fascinating and i think you know the the challenge i think for all of us is is to sort of continue to find ways to distill it down to sort of like salient points that we can you know distribute out to the world and kind of and and share what's going on like not so much to attract more talent we got plenty of it here um but i do think to help sort of raise awareness for what's happening and perhaps help accelerate um, some of these product market fits that really would, yes. would suit the world and and are pretty purposeful pursuits. So some some alignment. It's true, that and, and the,
0: the ecosystem ecosystem is earlier stage here in Boston. When I when I moved here, I figured yep. I was gonna I was gonna be going, you know, going going in that stage. And uh, there is you know, there's a ton of talent. There's you know, there's there's financial capital and and you know, intellectual capital. And yeah, it's really to me. Um, helping accelerate that and and you know uh, with these companies that are that are um, you know burgeoning and 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 actually for a number of them helping them potentially even stay independent a lot lot longer than they might otherwise have done that's right right yeah um, you know if you look at like kiva systems which was you know it, which is a kind of unsung Earthful. story at least now right but um the amount of value they drove for Amazon, right, is has just been remarkable. And and you know, they got they got, you know, they had a great outcome, don't get me wrong. Um, and you know, it was life changing and just a you know, I think it was like a seven hundred and seventy-five million dollar outcome. But uh, you know, I just that's just a company I, I look at and I just wonder, had they stayed uh independent longer, right? Mm-hmm. Where where might they be? Um and so uh, you know, I, I think there's also, you know, um uh, you know, that said, I mean, it's just great to see companies like a toast and others that stay independent and go public and, you know, or actually then you know, going for it. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good point. I think that, I mean, the point we're kind of making
1: uh, to summarize it, not to oversimplify it, but there's a connection between sort of awareness and commercial value and the acceler and the, you know, the realized, um, not just the potential, but the, the realization of commercial value. And the, f- the more that, you know, more that we can help early stage companies in our ecosystem sort of, you know, find their product market fits and their their revenue streams and 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 retain uh, their independence or a level of independence longer, I think you're gonna see a continued maturity of the market. Uh, yeah. which I think is is really it's certainly exciting. It's you know for guys like us and I think for a lot of folks that that listen in.
0: 100%. Rags. No, I, I, very much so.
1: Yeah, th- thank you. Um, thank you so much, Rags. This has been awesome. I, I know we're, we're, at, we're at time. Um, yeah. But if, if, you'll indulge, if you'll indulge me and in listeners, can you share your challenge for listeners?
0: Yeah, so the challenge is to give a specific compliment to five people that may not be expecting it. Uh, it could be a compliment. It could be some sort of token of appreciation. Um, and you know, the reason and I, I'm, I have to remind myself all the time to do this as well is we are human and we, we really love, um, hearing feedback from our, our peers and, and, and not just a general, Hey, you're a great person, but Hey, when you did this, this is what I got out of it, or this is how you impacted me. Right. And I really appreciate that or something like that, some specific compliment. And they will remember that for years.
1: I'm taking the challenge myself when we get off here. So I love it. So you heard it. You heard it listeners like five people that are absolutely not expecting it in your life. Give them some yeah. compliments, give them some gratitude and uh, not just make their day, but but leave them with something that, that they'll be, you know, that can impact them and they'll, and they'll reflect on for years. Like bring some positivity to someone's life 100%. here in the beginning of 2022. Let's do it. Let's do it. Rags, this has been a pleasure, man. Really, really appreciate it. Looking forward to sharing this conversation with the community.
0: Thanks, Zach. It was, it was great fun.
1: All right. Take care. Looking forward to hanging out in, in real life at, at some point in the future, too. Let's
0: hang out in real life. I'd love to do let's, it. Let's
1: do it. Look All look right. Forward you to take it. care. All right, man. Take All care. Right. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Boston.